everybody, and welcome to episode 163 of the Bench Time Podcast. I'm Brent Wiley of Wiley Scale Modeling. This week we have a pretty awesome guest. We've been we've been actually bugged a lot to have him on, and I won't wait any longer. I'll let my dad introduce him. And we have Scott Mason here tonight. Is Scott, is it Scott or Scotty Mason? Because I've heard other people call you Scotty. <laughs> well, you can you can call me either. Okay. Uh, and thank you, by the way, for the for the kind words and the introduction. Um, you know, just to answer that question for you, uh, it, it ended up being Scotty because when I went to register for um, an internet domain, uh, scottmason.com was taken. Ah. <laughs> so what was left was scottymason.com. Now, there, there were pro- up to that point, there were probably only three people in the entire world that ever called me Scotty, my dad being one <laughs> Um, and then, you know, everywhere I went after that, it was it was Scotty. So a lot of times, you know, I, I look over my shoulder and, and say, who, who the hell are they talking about? Uh, <laughs> turned out it was me. <laughs> well, we'll, we will, uh, we'll address you as Scott tonight or whatever. And um, we'll have uh, probably not whatever. We probably won't address you. You can listen. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so. You know, you have a long history in this hobby, uh, and our show has primarily we have focused on the fine scale structure building uh, for my riveting or um, scenery, that type of thing. That's been our kind of our mainstay in our specialty. However, we have had we've talked about the trains and we've had we have not really delved into the electronics and track and things like that so much. Um, but we have focused a lot on the scenery and structures, which I know was a big, uh, a big specialty of yours. Um, but uh, which is why it's wonderful to have you on. Um, but somewhere along the lines in my riveting, you had to have a start. So let's hear what Scott Mason, where he got his start, and what it's all about, and where it started for you. What was the 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 latch that you jumped onto made you want to do this? Well, it was last Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm still not sure. I, 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 may back, I may back out of this. I may go back to stamp collecting. I heard the people are better. Uh, so, so I was just, uh, before we started recording, I, I said, you know, it's been 54 years in the hobby for me. I, I, I literally started this hobby when I was four years old and and what jogged my memory was my my wife had had um, given me a wonderful Christmas gift this year. She had taken all of the the slide carousels that my father had collected. He was a, a pretty prolific family photographer, and and put them on a flash drive for me. And we've been we've been there over, over two thousand slides, so we've been going through them. And uh, there were some pictures in there of the of me and. Um, some family members and some family friends, one of whom gave me my first train set when I was four years old. And uh, it was, a, it was a, his, he had two Lionel sets, like 50s era Lionel sets that he gave to me in the 60s. And uh, it, 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 I think it's really what got me started. Uh, you know, and, and back then, of course, a train set was one of the, the top gifts that anyone got for Christmas. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I went in head deep now, you know, over the years, um, I had gotten, 
um, out of the hobby and back into it. Uh, uh, my dad helped me build my first HO uh, model railroad, which was nothing more than a, a four by eight sheet of plywood, you know, on on you know decent bench work. It was it was nicely done, uh, but it was nothing that you know at that point a, a twelve or thirteen year old could have done by himself. Right. Um, you know, get out of it during college, uh, get back into it um, after I got married, and and have you know pretty much stayed into it um, on a number of different levels um, since that point over the years. Right. Okay. And you and you're you're about the same age as I am, because I'm fifty six. So I remember those years when I was a kid, my got my you know, like you said, the train set was the big thing to get back then. You yep. know, and then it went to the HO plywood layout and uh and then I got same deal. And it's been that way with a lot of almost all of our guests that we've had on, even George Celius we had on last year. Mm-hmm. Uh same deal. He's yep. Same same kind of story. It's remarkable that we so have we all not, have that same grab. So what was the yeah? So what was the transition then from like I'm sure you started with you know everyone starts with the uh, lower end kind of kit or you start building models. What was the transition into doing you know the work you do now, the more fine scale, uh, more craftsman style builds? What was that like? What got you hooked into that? Well. Good question, um, and I was anticipating this question, so I should have been prepared with an answer. But damn it, I'm not. Um, you know, when I was a kid, and in, in the, those first few layouts, everything was plastic, and um, I was used to working with plastic models. Uh, for a while, when I was a kid, I was doing some military modeling, so you know, I, I, I knew how to squeeze a tube of airplane glue. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think when I got older, there were a couple of things um, uh, that were that were kind of evolutionary for me. One was um, when I was a freshman in high school, Dick Elwell's layout was first published in Railroad Model Craftsman. At the same time, uh, the Virginian in Ohio um, series by Alan McClellan was also published in, in Railroad Model Craftsman. And I can remember vividly sitting in study hall instead of doing homework. Uh, you know, reading these articles and just I could feel myself being pulled into the pages. And what drew me in were, were two things, the scenery and the structures. And and the and the reason that worked for me is because the scenery and the structures tied everything else together. Uh, take scenery and structures off of a model railroad and you got nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got. Yeah, you got trains, but there's no context for the trains. So so that was kind of the first thing. And when I got a little older, um, I uh, had made a friend through uh, mutual – we were both members of a model railroad club in, in the greater Boston area. And we didn't know each other until we joined, but uh, got to know each other, got to be friends. And, and he was he, – he had a large house, and he wanted to build a, a, a large model railroad in, in his basement. It ended up being about 80 feet by 30 feet. Oh, wow. Oh, my word. And um, – <laughs> And he was, uh, and actually, I'll, I'll drop a name. Uh, you're familiar with Jimmy Simmons from Monster Model Works. Yeah. Oh yeah, we, we've had him on as a guest. Yep. His dad. Okay. Um, Jim Senior. So, so Jim and I got to be really good friends. In fact, he's my youngest daughter's godfather. Um, but he he's such an incredibly generous person. He, you know, we both shared a love of of northeastern railroading, and basically, he said, "Look, this is what I want to do." 
stay within these guidelines, but do whatever you want. So, you know, I kind of took over the, the scratch building of, of the prototypical structures for the layout. And that's really how I, how I started to evolve away from plastic kits and, and start to do um, more complex, better work. The craftsman stuff. Yeah. And then from there, uh, you know, we're, we're blessed here in the Northeast because we have people like Bob Van Gelder at South River Model Works. Oh yeah, um, who's not only not only a great friend of mine, but in my opinion, a, a, an absolute true artist in the hobby. He is, and, he, and he's a great guy. Another guest. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 just a, a great guy, um, and and of course George Selios, who uh, you know really was 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 the pioneer, mm-hmm. uh, and and I can remember. Um, you know, 90 or 91 when you put that book out, um, getting the book and, and looking at it. And, and I didn't I didn't really have a sense of that level of artistry in the hobby until I opened that book. And I looked at the pictures and I, I had two questions. Um, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> and why am I so inferior? Um but what it led me to uh, was, um, you know, buying uh, some South River Model Works kits and buying some fine scale miniature kits. And and what I found out mm-hmm. was, um, you know, Bob Van Gelder used to tell people at shows, and, and, and I used to help him at the shows for years and years. Um, in fact, that's what led me to the, the DVDs. But um, he would tell people, if you're a motivated beginner, you can build one of my kits. And that's exactly what I was. I was I was nothing more than a motivated beginner. I didn't have techniques. I'm not an artist. Um, what I could do was read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the beautiful thing about his kits and, and George's as well is that if you follow those instructions yep. and you have some patience, you'll get really good results. So, you know, I built a couple and and. and liked what I was doing and was happy with the results. Uh, and, it, and it just, it snowballed after that. Yeah. And, and wow, those, those are two amazing people to get, you know, to see their work. Mm-hmm. And then they're, of course, their kids. Um, we got the pleasure to see, uh, spend five hours about a year and a half ago up at George's. He opened it up for, we had a big group of our, some, a lot of our listeners that are actually probably listening today. Um, that were that were there and met us, and we had a group of like eighteen people, and uh, and and when you know I grew up with that same book, Scott. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, not grew up with it. It was like when my wife and I, you know, were first dating, and when we were, then we got married. I that bought must that. Have been a real turn on for her, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I wore that thing out. With the to the point where I I looked at those photos until the pages were worn out and I and then for a couple of years back just you know the last five years or so she bought me another copy that she found online somewhere brand new and uh, so um, yeah that's that's pretty cool I still have that book but looking at those just like you said it, it's great until you get and you know there's nothing quite like that. Um, not to that everybody has their own unique style, and and of course, as you know, no matter how good that person is of an artist, there's everybody else's 
there's so many good artists out there, but his is a, his is something that you can't, other people try to emulate George Celia. So we've tried it ourselves <laughs> a little bit, some of the, to the smaller scale, obviously. And yep. you can't, it's, 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 you, you just don't. And then when you go to see it and you see it live and you're there, <laughs> it just blows your mind. <laughs> it humbles you. You know, well, you, you can't, you can't stop looking ever. You brought yeah. up a really good point. Uh, I, I think, you know, people look at George's work or Bob's work or, you know, any model railroad model railroad or um, who, whose work is popular and they try to copy it. And, and it, it always falls short. I don't care how good a modeler you are. If you try to um, copy George Salios's work, it's going to look like a, a poor facsimile. <laughs> yeah, you it's going to look. It. George has his own style. It's going to look Bob like has his own style. I was gonna say it, it's gonna look like you know what Wish dot com is. It's gonna oh, look, yeah. it's gonna look like the Wish dot com version of George Selyus' work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not yeah, saying it, it's not saying you're a bad modeler. It's just you can't you can't emulate it. And who yeah. and who in, in my feeling in this hobby, and uh, you may or may not agree, is it's good to have your own style. So it doesn't look like that. You can use figments of the things you've seen and use them put them together and make your own you know develop your own style and that's important to have that Um, and that's a great you you can't help but have your own style right Um, it it, it's it's inherent it's part of it's part of who you are um you know you can develop techniques Mm -hmm. you can get better at your style but it's still going to be your style and 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 that's the that's the art of it um, you know, the same idea with, you know, no two painters are the same. You can you can look at one painting and it can be impressionist and you can look at another one and it can be it can be, you know, realist and the two totally different things, but they're beautiful paintings. You know, I equate George Selios to the Salvador Dali of model railroading. Oh yeah. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. um, you know Bob Van Gelder is 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 you know complete opposite of that, but they you can't put their kits together because they're they're not scaled the same way. Right. Um, but both of their both of their works are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm not my style isn't like either of them. Um, right. You know, one of my biggest um, influencers in the hobby is, is Dick Elwell, who's also you know very much a, a father figure to me. Um, but I, you know, I can't, I can't model like he does either. Mm-hmm. Wish I could. Right. Um, so, you know, I guess the biggest piece of advice I, I can give people who are, who are, whether they're building craftsman kits or they're scratch building is, you know, develop your own style. Understand that you can't, um, copy other people's styles, right? you know, and, and get better at what you can do. Right, exactly, and then you you'll you'll be able to build upon your own style, and that should make you satisfied as a modeler. That that's where your that's where your enjoyment is, and where your yeah. talents at to that to that degree, and be happy with that. Yeah, you know, and yep. uh, I think that's that's a that's a pretty cool thing. Now, speaking of which, one of the things that we can take from them is the is inspiration. They're great people to have as inspiration. So when I go and see a George Stelios layout, or if you see Dick's layout, you're going to see 
things that are going to inspire you or make you, I see it. I want to come home after a trip like that and I want to build <laughs> something, you know, I'm not going to yeah. build it like that exactly, but I'm going to, I'm going to be inspired by what I saw. And, um, you know, that's, that's what you need to do if you're going to really want to check out other people's stuff. But, well, you know, the interesting thing about both of them, and, and again, you know, their their styles are completely different as well. Mm-hmm. But but they have the same exact philosophy. You know, if you talk to Dick, and, and, and I have, you know, thousands of times and said, you know, Dick, how did you do this? Or George, you know, that that structure is unbelievable. How did you do that? They 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 have a very, very understated approach to explaining how they did it. It's almost like this aw shucks, yeah, you know, right. just kind of fell together kind of thing. Um, and it's, you know, I know it wasn't that way, mm-hmm. um, you know, but but, you know, to them, that's, you know, it's just a, a manifestation of their style coming out. Sure, sure. It's uh, now speaking of inspiration that I mentioned. So we mentioned those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have some other modelers that you've drawn upon sure. for inspirations? Sure, sure. Um, um, you know, Brett Gallant at Sierra West is is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We've had him on as well. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh! <laughs> you know, and 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 we had kind of a a um, an informal um, group, if you will, mm-hmm. um, several years ago. Um, guys like. Um, Dave Ravelia. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, who's just, you know, the, the, there's, it's hard to compare him to anybody else. Right. Um, Brian Nolan, um, who, uh, who passed away, uh, right. 10 years ago suddenly, um, but was just an absolutely, I talk about low key down to earth, um, but just an amazing, amazing artist. He could do anything. Yeah. And he and he was, uh, you know, I feel bad for people who didn't get to know him mm-hmm. um, because he was one of the nicest people I had ever met. Um, in fact, um, we did uh, we, we did a, a DVD with him. Uh, I flew down, uh, flew, uh, flew down to Florida with my my production video production guy. And uh, we, we shot three DVDs, uh, one with Brian Nolan, Building Craftsman Structure Kits, Volume 4, mm-hmm. and two with Dave Ravella. And um, uh, Brian died the, the next year. And I, I literally couldn't watch that DVD until about six months ago. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd uh, be tough. But uh, their their work, um, you know, is just and, – and, and they're, a, you know, a group of, of, of friends – around them that are, you know, very, very, very high quality, um, model railroaders and, and structure builders. Um, I have to get, I've been invited by Dave to come down and visit their, uh, their place down there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we have not the Suncoast is it Suncoast. Yes. Yeah. And, Suncoast and, Center. Yeah. And we have, uh, I have yet to get down there because then COVID hit and a bunch of other stuff. So at some point I would like to get down there. Dave also, you know, is, it's other scales. He does all kinds of modeling. Um, yeah. Not just, not just HO scale or, or model riveting. He does insane modeling of anything. It's, well, it's well, here's another, here's another tip listeners and, you know, take it for what it's worth. Cause it's just me talking to you. Um, 
you learn a lot by doing other types of modeling. Uh, as model railroaders, we, we tend to go through life with blinders on. Um, there's a, a set of techniques that um, are, are tied into our hobby that we tend to grasp onto and, and never let go. But outside of model railroading, there are all sorts of other techniques, um, painting, weathering, uh, working with different types of materials. So um, for me, you know, I've gotten back into um, some military modeling. Ah. And, and one of the reasons why I've done that is is to to learn some of these things and, and see what's adaptable to model railroading. Um, Good. I'm not the only crazy one. I just did a tank for the first <laughs> time in my life. I put the pictures well, up on Facebook. I yeah. loved it. It was great. And I just finished it this week, and uh, and I agree with that 100. percent Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. I, but but I would I would urge everyone listening to, um, you know, go go on to YouTube, and and there's a bazillion military modeling videos. Uh, there's a there's a, a, a company called Andy's Hobby Headquarters, and this guy posts um, build videos of military models all the time. Um, and his, his, you know, there's probably better modelers, but I think his work is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I love the, the, the painting and weathering. It seems, some of it seems pretty counterintuitive to me. Right. Um, but I'm trying, I'm being open-minded because I'm trying to learn more, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, you know, and, and, and Dave has, Dave has kind of, you know, he, he's much more of a natural artist than I am. So he, he kind of already understood um, you know, color and shading and highlighting and, and how all that works. Right. Um, but uh, but people don't realize that the the breadth and depth of his abilities. He's a fantastic figure painter. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know his the, the the Sundance Central layout. Right. Uh, which uh, you know he conceived with a bunch of other guys, but a lot of the um, construction is is his is is just absolutely unbelievably damn near perfect if it isn't wow i can't wait to see it (laughs) you'll love it yeah it'll be a fun trip when we can finally make it down there but we have to agree on the the military modeling um aspect of things because that's the first like i said this is the first time i built a tank um or anything military modeling i did a uh sherman easy eight and it's, it's um, funny because that's what's next on my work bench. Oh, is that right? Is that, the the Tamea? Yep. Yep. I just I loved it. It was so fun, and I had a great time with it. And I and I did the uh, the mud on the front and everything. It's it's great now. I bought a a, a diorama set from Foscale Models. Yeah. Um, he has a thirty five scale, a thirty five yeah thirty one thirty fifth scale um, diorama series thing that he does. Uh, he sells and. So I got one of those with a theater. I'm going to build that next to put it on and take it to work. I work in the military field as a contractor. So I'm going to put that on my desk at work and uh, when I'm done with it. But but I, I didn't do it for that. for that. I did it so I can expand. And we talked about this like just like you said. I'm ex- trying to expand my techniques because the military modelers have so many cool things they can do. Um, and they're, they're – their paints and things that they use are, um, you know, they're different. And we've been pushing the use of some of the AK 
yep. uh, and some of the MIG ammo stuff. In fact, we were trying to get MIG on our show, so we're working with their rep from here uh, himself, to, but they'll need an interpreter and everything. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, you know, we've been pushing those types of products as well as the things that we use for, you know, like our, you know, craft paint, that type of thing. Um, but they, they all can they, if you work them together, they make some amazing effects, and uh, it, it and they can teach you just like you said uh, things that you on those YouTube videos. You learn how to work with those things, and they show you the techniques and what the effects they can get out of them, and it it just is mind blowing. And it's not all that difficult if you practice it. Um, well, and you know, I, I won't profess to know everything when it comes to craftsman structure building, uh, but it but. It's not often that I, I'll see someone's work and think, "How did they do that?" Right. I, you know, I can pretty much pick the techniques off of it. Yeah. And, and and I think that's you know kind of what I'm what I'm looking for in my own work to to be able to build something and have someone who knows what they're doing say, "How'd you do that?" Yeah. And 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 that's you know what some of these techniques you know will allow us to do. Um, not to mention the fact that you know some of these military modelers are just absolute pure artists. Oh yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, it's it's, uh, it's sickening when you can see what they do, and and when you watch your YouTube videos, some of their techniques are so much different than what you would expect from the old set in the rut ways that we do things. Yeah, and, and you're like that. That's not gonna work, or that won't look right. And then they it make they make it look like nothing, and then it turns out phenomenal. It's just it's phenomenal what some of those guys do. Well, yeah. I'll give you an example. Of of where we part ways, right? So, you you want to paint a locomotive, right? So so the first thing you do is you take the shell off, right? you dis- disassemble Johnny Five, and you you know you you spray the shells separately and you tape off everything and you mask it and you do you know do all this in military modeling. You build the freaking tank, yeah. You get out the airbrush and you paint the freaking tank. There's no, you don't paint it in, in parts. You, you you paint the whole thing, and then you go back, and you know you you paint the treads, and you know you you, you paint the tools, and so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. it it it's absolutely amazing how they even conceive that. Okay, you just just shut up and paint. Yeah, you know that's that's what it comes. Oh, yeah, down. yeah. It, they're they're just uh, you know you watch some of them, and they'll do their. Their weathering effects on this. Oh my word! And and they yep. do it, and they're not taking a break. I, I'm sure they do some stop motion stuff and and whatever with the camera work. But but they they just they're they're so easy, and they have just the right brush strokes with with getting the effect they want. And uh, me, I'm over here putting on the same products for the first time, trying to get the same you know weathering effects. And next thing you know, I'm dipping my wider brush into some kind of a mineral spirit and trying to race it <laughs> yep. it's starting to wait till it dries and start it again and, and but you know what that's how you that's how you get better and regardless of if it's for model railroading or any type of modeling and that's that's uh that's pretty cool now you mentioned the um the dvds so what what got you into the dvds because a lot of people love all that all all those DVDs that you made and uh, for a lot of people and some of the listeners that are going to have questions for you, uh, you were their start for some of So, <laughs> well, uh, let's, and, let's and, hear and about that. For, for those who are listening that, that supported me over the years and, and bought DVDs, 
Yeah, thank you very much. It, it's it's truly heartfelt. Uh, I had no idea um, what, if any, level of success they would have. But what started it was I had been doing um, model train shows with Bob Van Gelder for, for years, probably 10 years anyway. And at every show, it, it felt like we were answering the same four or five questions over and over again. How do you paint the wood? How do you paint the plastic? You know, how do you how do you do your shingle? You know, and I said to him one, you know, it was probably a you know late in the afternoon on a Sunday, and we were probably a little punch drunk. And uh, I said, you know, it'd be great if someone just put out a DVD that answered all these questions, so that we didn't have to stand here for two days. <laughs> you know. Going horse because you know we, we we had all these questions, and on the we were at the the show in Springfield, and I remember driving home thinking to myself, I, I bet I could do something like this. And at the time, um, my my niece's husband worked for one of the Boston. Uh, he was a cameraman for one of the Boston news stations, and I called him up and I and I said, you know. This is what I'm thinking. What you know? How do we do this? How how can this be done? He said it's actually easy. He said you know, I show up with a couple of cameras. We we video it. He said I can do. The, I've got all the editing equipment. Uh, he said you know we can we can crank these out. And I thought it sounds too good to be true, but you know we'll try it. <laughs> so so I, I I did the first one. And back then, you know there wasn't um, Facebook. Um, you know, there, there wasn't means of, of, of marketing through social media like there is today. So, uh, you know, there were, there were some, um, you know, the old model railroad news groups, um, were out there. And, and so in the time it took to shoot it and edit it and then send it off to the factory, uh, to have a thousand copies pressed, which I was pretty certain I was going to end up eating. <laughs> That's I, a scary I, road, huh? Um, well, you know, thankfully, DVDs are, are pretty cheap to produce. Okay. Um, I, I just, it was more of um, an embarrassment factor, I think. Um, <laughs> but in that time, I pre-sold over 500 DVDs. Wow. And and I, what I remember most is that when they finally came in, it took me like four days of like nonstop stuffing envelopes and you know i i think the the and and i hadn't perfected um you know the whole pre-paid postage thing so you know i had all these envelopes that i had to take up to the post office and and get you know buy stamps for you know and and, and physically you know put the stamps on these envelopes so it was it was brutal um but what i learned were were two things um, one, people will buy anything, uh, and and two, that there was definitely a market for, for this. There there are a lot of armchair hobbyists out there. Mm -hmm, right. There, in fact, there are far more inactive model railroaders than there are active model railroaders. Yes, I've noticed that. Yep. So we you know we we did another building craftsman structure DVD that kind of touched on some of the things that I couldn't get to in the first one, and you know same thing. It did great. And um, I wanted to do one that involved some some scenery. I brought in Bob Van Gelder to do that one, and and, and you know same thing, sold a bunch, um, and and I decided you know that I probably kind of um, beat that that dead mule into the ground. So um, 
kind of changed tactics, and, and Mike Rose and I each did one on, on weathering freight cars. At, at the end of the day, so I, I think there's 12 or 13 titles, um, and they're not, unfortunately, they're not for sale anymore. Um, but I sold about 33,000 of them. All oh, my word. Um, <laughs> That's great. Just a couple of and, and when it, you would go through 500 in your first one, right? Right yeah. off the bat. That's got to yeah. be encouraging and go, oh, well, <laughs> I, well honestly, wow, what can we do here? You know? I, you know, Todd, honestly, I mean, I, I, I thought I was going to sell four. <laughs> uh, That's what know, I'd have thought for myself too. I would think that too. Yeah, we would have thought. I, we would have thought. Who wants to listen to me or us? Yeah, you know, we've done that when we were putting this podcast together. That's what we thought. We just thought, ah, oh, nobody's ever going to listen to us. <laughs> you know, we'll have some fun with it. And it'll die after a while, but yeah, yeah. I, I get that. I get that feeling. So, you know, I, and I and I can, you know, I was so grateful. I, I can remember. The names of the people that bought the first, you know, 10 or 15 DVDs. And, you know, they would come back, you know, each time I put out a new one and they'd they'd buy the, you know. So there were, I had had so many people that had bought them all. And I I just thought, you know, it it just totally floored me. Um, It was such a wonderful feeling. What really floored me were the the people in other countries that bought them. and I think, you know, like the weirdest place was like India. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this my DVD is sitting under someone's TV in India. Yeah. On the other side of the planet. Yeah. Literally the other side of the planet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I and there were a couple of funny stories. Um, actually, one involved Brian Nolan. Um we and I'll, I'll leave names out of this. Yeah. Um, but I was going down to see. I was going down to a convention in Fort Lauderdale, and I was driving down. And I called Brian, who um, was the um, fire chief, at Indian River County Fire Department. And I said, "Hey, you know, I'm coming through. Are you around for lunch?" He said, "Yeah, stop by." And um, I said, "I've got to make a stop first. Um, this person who had bought a DVD." Uh, from me, um, had it, it, he lost it? It broke. Um, it got worn out. Something. So they ordered another one, and I said, "I'm going to stop at their house and, and knock on the door and hand it to them just to see the look on their face." And uh, it, it turned out there was like dead silence when I told Brian the name, and uh, I said, "What's the matter?" And he said, uh, that, that person's name is, is not Christopher, it's Christine. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I get to the house and I, I knock on the door and it turns out that this person's at work. But their father is there. Okay. And he does, you know, kind of, he's, he's a model railroader. He does the classic cartoon double take and he pulls me into the living room <laughs> and I, I look to my left and there's a TV and he's watching one of my DVDs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, and he says, you sit down right there. I got some questions. 
Oh my gosh, that's so, so cool. you know, I wasn't sure whether I was being held captive at that point. Or... <laughs> Am I going to have to send an SOS out to my wife? Like, hey, uh, you might need to come yeah, get me. Well, <laughs> You know, I'm just to step out and call Brian and see if he can come save me. <laughs> uh, so, so it was just you know kind of this weird, surreal moment. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I you know it just it, it it led to an, an unexpected business, mm-hmm. um, you know, which branched out to, to manufacturing some some craftsman structure kits myself, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it was just a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, and then from that. I mean, the, the videos are great. It's awesome. Brett and I have done a couple of clinics and, and stuff at some of the more recent shows that they had, and um, it's so we had we have so much fun with doing that. You know, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, we set up uh, our we set up our own booth, and uh, we're you know we're not selling anything, and we just sat there the whole show, um, and built stuff. We took our tool boxes and everything, drug it all in, set up. We had countless people walked by and just stood there. We had a crowd in front of us um, at the last one, down Timonium. And um, they had, and a lot of these people were not craftsman structure people. They were coming through from the rest of the train show into our craftsman courtyard area. And they were just stopping and crowding in front. And I don't think they've ever seen people build, you know, a craftsman structure. <laughs> Brett was working at one end of the table. I was working on the other. And, um, and it was so great. And they got to talk to you and they were asking questions. And, and, you know, that's the cool thing. If you have something you can help show to other people, I noticed in this hobby in like no other hobby that I can think of where the people are willing, all the people in it are willing to share, no matter who you are or how well or great of a modeler you are, nobody's out of touch. Everybody you know, works with those other people to try and build this hobby. And that, and that's, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. We've talked about it on the show many times, but, um, that was so cool. And then of course, um, the, uh, uh well, I, I had something to add to that and I just, uh, <laughs> I lost it. So <laughs> talk this up into a corner. I'm, yeah. Cause I'm, 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 you're babbling. I'm old and feeble minded, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a great feeling. Let's get into a little bit of, um, the podcast, the history of your podcast, or like the the because you're our first podcaster on our podcast ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I wish I could take credit for the idea, um, but 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 and, it and was Mike Rose, right. No, no. no. And in okay. fact, Mike Mike didn't come on to the scene until until later. Um, the idea was actually Doug Fascali's. Oh, okay. Yep. And. So, so Doug is this incredible idea guy. Yep, we know him um, like five times he, on here. <laughs> he, he has he has one of the most amazing imaginations of anybody I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, not atypical of, of of a true artist. Right. Um, so so Doug had <laughs> Doug. I, I wish I could show you a video of this because it, it was it was really hysterical. He he called me up one day and he said, um, he said my wife and I want to come up and visit you on Sunday. And I I said okay fine yeah I'm around so so he came up and um my, you know we're all my wife and I and he and his wife are sitting around he says I've got this idea I want to run past you and I said okay he said I, I think we should have a train show a, a model a, a, a craftsman structure show and. 
at that point, I opened the door and proceeded to grab him by the keister and, and, and throw him out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, you know, it's a, the craziest idea I've ever heard. Model train shows of any kind are nothing but just this enormous sinkhole of work. There's no, <laughs> there's no money in them. You're going to drive yourself crazy. Um, it, Craftsman Structures is a niche part of our hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're never going to be able to draw. We're going to lose our shirts. And he literally, I've never seen anyone so prepared. He had all these graphics. He had a foam board with, you know, <laughs> cutouts of pie charts and graphs and, and tables. And, and, and I'm sitting there and I can feel myself getting talked into this, knowing full well <laughs> that this idea sucks. <laughs> By the time he left... We, you know, we already had a format. We had, you know, we brainstormed clinics. Um, so he said, um, he said, we need some way to promote this thing. And again, you know, Facebook wasn't really a thing. Uh, this was uh, 2007, six or seven, I forget. Well, it would have been, it was a year before we had the first show. So it was probably 2005. But anyway, um, <laughs> he he said we need some way to 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 promote this and i said well you know mr idea man what do you have in mind and uh he said uh well we need to do a podcast and i said look i, I said you know here's the thing i'm not doing a show i'm not doing a podcast i don't even go to the bathroom without jimmy degnan with me <laughs> so you know if you want to pull this off we got to you know make sure he's on board because you know, he, he's part of this. Right. So, you know, we, we, we talked to Jimmy and, and Jimmy, Jimmy would go to the opening of a door. Oh yeah. Jimmy's, uh, a, um, Jimmy's a hoot. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy was all in from, you know, you had me at hello. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the great thing about Jimmy was that, you know, he could figure all the technology we didn't know he could figure out. So he, he was really the first guy to figure out how to record and edit a podcast, how to, you know, upload it, um, you know, what it took to get a a show off the ground, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So we, we get together to do the first podcast and it's, it's me and Doug and Jimmy. And I spent two and a half hours talking to myself (laughs) (laughs) these guys what what now they've both over the years come out of their shells but oh yeah yeah but picture two extremely shy introverted people Mm -hmm. neither of them would open i i mean i'm prompted i had all sorts of questions for them and it was like i was getting one word answers i'm thinking oh my god this is gonna this is just (laughs) terrible anybody listen to this i feel sorry for their ears are bleeding so um i i i we got done with it and i probably didn't sleep for a couple of nights and i thought you know i've got to come up with something i've got to have someone that that i can talk to on this show um you know while these guys kind of get used to the format Mm -hmm. so i called up dave frary and i I said dave i said boy I, I said I need I need your help, and, and we had worked together on a number sure. of projects. Um, you know, we had built some layouts together for clients, and you know, so you know, we we knew each other pretty well. I said I, I need you on this podcast. I said, you know, it's only temporary. 
I said, um, but, you know, I can't, you know, these guys are just too shy and I can't spend two and a half hours talking to myself. <laughs> so, he says, I'll, you know, I'll do a couple of, I'll do a couple with you. So, so, you know, four or five years later, um, you know, still the four of us uh, going strong. And, um, you know, so again, it was, it was one of those deals where, you know, we're, we're sitting around thinking, who's listening to this? Yeah. And I said, Jimmy, the, you know, there's got to be a way to track this thing. And he said, well, let me look into it and I'll get back to you. And he, he, he found some kind of tracking service. And, you know, this was probably a, a year and a half into it mm-hmm. at this point. And he came back. He said, well, he said, you know, we had, we had over 25,000 unique downloads in the last podcast. And I said, I said that num that that's a lie. <laughs> said, there's no possible way that there's that many people. Listen, he said, he said the numbers don't lie. He said I'll send you the data. It's crazy, huh? It is crazy. <laughs> um, and and again, I feel sorry for you know those people because clearly <laughs> there's a problem out there somewhere. We can relate. We we we've seen all the data from ours, and and it's just uh, you, you're like I don't I can't believe it that many people would even bother yeah but yeah so, so you know got to you know david kind of run his course and he didn't want to do it anymore and right um uh doug and doug and jimmy were you know kind of um you know they were they were you know i i think it was we we, we did all we could do we needed yeah. to bring some new life sure. and so um i saw mike rose well well the first thing that happened was um i got a call one day now this was this was fairly early on in the podcast, mm-hmm. and I picked up the phone and I said hello. And the guy on the other end doesn't introduce himself. All he says is, "Your podcast sucks." <laughs> and I I said, "Well, you know, thank you." Um, I, I said, "Who am I talking to?" He says, "My name is Joe Duckworth," and he said, uh, uh, "I'm a radio personality in in Michigan," and he said. Uh, I can't listen to this thing anymore. <laughs> he said, you guys need help. And, you know, at this point, I, I, you know, I can feel the tears running down my face, right? Cause I'm, I'm crushed, but, but I know he's right. And I, and I'm like, you know, please, yes, you know, help me. And he said, uh, he said, I'm going to help you. And I'm thinking, to myself, I'm thinking two things. Either this guy is, you know, for real, and he's going to straighten us out, or he's full of baloney, and we're in deeper dog do than we were in the first <laughs> place. So, Joe came in, and I, he he turned us into as close to professional podcasters as we could possibly be. Mm-hmm. I mean, he worked with Jimmy, he worked with Doug, he worked with me. He he got our audio straightened out. He um, edited this thing. You know, to perfection. Uh, we had sponsors. We, you know, had commercials in that thing. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, you know, he worked with us for a number of years, and then it got to the point finally where I was really losing interest. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was going through a divorce, and it was, you know, kind of tough to maintain, um, you know, that level of activity. Uh, and, and the other piece too, was that I, I decided, you know, I had turned a hobby into a business and I decided I didn't much like the hobby anymore as a result of that. 
yeah. So I, I, I very much wanted to um, turn it back into a hobby mm-hmm. and, and, and go back to, to work outside of the hobby. So um, Mike Rose and I decided to con- – these guys were, were okay with – you know, not doing it anymore. I think Joe was was very happy that uh, <laughs> he, he wasn't editing this. You know, some we were putting out sometimes four hour podcasts. Oh my word! Um, we 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 interviewed Tony Custer, mm-hmm. and uh, we had to we had to turn it into two parts. I asked Tony Custer four questions. Six hours later, Tony <laughs> stopped talking, and it was one of the greatest podcasts that we put out. Because Tony is so knowledgeable and so interesting that, you know, you can't help but but enjoy it. But it was just I've never talked so little in my life. Um, so so Mike Rose came in and, and we changed the format around a little bit to focus more on prototype modeling, which freshened things up for me. Sure. And um, and then and then finally, it just got to a point uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, mm-hmm. um, where I, I just – um, um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to find a lovely woman who would agree to marry me <laughs> and, um, with, with three wonderful, incredible kids. And it just, I wanted to spend the time with them. Right. Uh, so, uh, Mike, Mike agreed to, to continue the podcast, um, mm-hmm. by himself. But so this has been going on now for, 15 or 16 years yeah wow since we since it started um that's incredible yeah so it's it's a nice legacy and i'm happy that he's still doing it and and you know i still listen to it once in a while Mm -hmm. and Uh, you can find some of your old episodes still on uh online on apple uh Yeah, I, I understand they're still out there. I, I don't really have a desire to go back and, and <laughs> Yeah, to, well, it's kind of hard to listen to your own podcast the, after a while, too. The only ones we listen to are the ones from the very beginning because of how they're hilarious. awful they were. So we every now and then, my dad and I will pop them on just to laugh at each other. Oh, my gosh. It's, it was this horrible <laughs> thing. Yeah, you know what's funny? You mentioned uh, uh, we had, we've had Doug on the show many, many times. Yeah. And um, – and uh, he's and we've been to his shop. It's 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 he's you're right. He's he's his his mind is in another place from everybody else's. Yep. Um, but we had him. Well, the first times I had all them, they they had us come up to their their fine scale show, yep. uh, the expo, yep. and it was in Albany. And yep. we were up there, and I set a table up. The whole works. We did the podcast. We did a. I roved around with a phone and videotaped everybody every one of the vendors uh art fahey everybody was up there and uh we did them all um that was fun and then we did <laughs> but um but then we did like a, a a show opening the night before thursday night before the show opening we did a podcast uh from the from the room uh from the the main room at our table after nobody else was in there and i had Doug and Jimmy and um, oh shoot the other guy um, not Hal Hal was there with us and um, Brian what's that Brian no 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 um, shoot I always draw a blank on his name because I haven't met him as much as I've met all the other guys anyhow had them all there yep and um, we had 
<laughs> we had one mic and and we were passing it back and forth to everybody and uh, and Doug had it and he was talking and it's like real soft voice, yeah. very quiet and he and, and so Hal reaches over and grabs my clipboard off of the off of my table and he writes with a marker on it it says speak up and he holds it up in the air <laughs> because you can't hear but it was funny jimmy pulled my microphone out of the out of the uh computer the, the laptop computer we were recording from he pulled the whole microphone thing out so then it went from off our mic to the microphone on the laptop which oh, was God. awful and it, until we found it um it was it was a total it wasn't a disaster. It was kind of fun, um, but you know, it was just it was laughable. Those guys are a blast. Uh, we we had them on the show, but like I said, the first time we had Doug on, we, it was tough to get him to talk. And then uh, we, you know, he would talk, but it was very soft. And we, yep. you know, but then I mentioned the next time we had him on, I said, "Hey, you got to speak up a little bit." And, and and then now it's like he's really got it, you know. And, and Jimmy, same way. Jimmy was one I had to pull the words out for him and. You know, ask lots and lots and lots of questions just to keep them rolling. But then, uh, and the one we thought was going to be the toughest um, it was George Selios. Um, <laughs> he he surprised was, you, didn't he? Oh, my gosh. He never stopped. And he was yeah. scared to do it, I think, at first. Because yeah. he'd never done one. And he was like, ah, oh, I... I, I don't want to do that. While well, we were at, I asked him when we were up there if he would do the thing. And Hal was there with us. And um, when we were visiting his layout, and he, he said, I don't know about that. I turned down all these TV shows and everything else. And I had to call Hal over. I said, hey, Hal, you've been on the show a couple of times. I said, tell him, tell him. He goes, oh, it's a great time. We have a lot of fun. There's no problems. It was, it was, it's just like a radio talk show. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> well, the night before, uh, he was ready to do it with us. He called me on the phone. He was trying to get out of it. Some kind of a uh, storm, uh, storm, bad storm was coming. A thunderstorm was coming, <laughs> and they were predicting this bad storm up there. And his cat freaks out, and he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have the cat freaking out in the middle of the show. And and uh, I said, well, we can pause it and we'll edit whatever, and you come back and whatever you gotta do, we'll you know we'll do it. And uh, he goes, I don't know. I, I could just tell he's just trying to get out of it. Once we got him on, he just. It, it was two hours of, of him and just, and it was like listening to your uncle tell you war stories yep. and you just, yeah. And you just, you just shut up the whole way through it, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. There's, there's people that, you know, you've had on as guests and, you know, we've had, I'm sure many of the same people that, uh, the fewer words spoken, the better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, you had, you know, you did the podcast now. You was that a was that a monthly or a weekly thing or how often did you do, we we do ours weekly and coming yeah, up with I material mean, is a chore sometimes but you know we do uh, the best we can. Yeah, um, it, it started off monthly and and you know it was it was just long. I mean it was like I say it was three hours long sometimes and and Joe Duckworth said you know maybe we ought to try weekly and just you know making them smaller. So we went to a weekly format and, you know, they were still long. I mean, <laughs> we were still doing three hour podcasts. Yeah. So, you know, we went back to monthly and we just, uh, you know, part of it is just, you know, how much extra talking you do that you don't need to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, so. So, yeah, I, I, we were, you know, most of it, I would say 90 percent of it was 
was monthly. Yeah. Hey, so we've been doing it, what, a little over three years now? Yeah. We're at, what, episode 160-something? Three. Yeah. And 163. And um, you know, we've not, up till this Christmas time, we took a couple-week break. But that's the first time we've ever taken a weekly break uh, in there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a lot. And people don't realize we can, you know— understand it it takes a lot it takes our time it takes a lot of our time to to do it prepare think about it get it all edited i don't know how long it takes you to edit brett but but um you know and you know it it's um and then when you're done with it well then you don't feel like modeling you know right. <laughs> you know so for a couple of days you're not gonna you don't model so it, it takes it takes some time away from from everything else but but I love it. It's 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 something that that we enjoy. We've met many many friends. I'm sure as you have mm-hmm. uh, through modeling and through the podcast. And we tried to make this a community as well. So um, and I'm sure the other podcasts in Model Reverend do the exact same thing. There's some good ones out, some great ones out that we mentioned before the show. We mentioned Ken, Ken Patterson. Yep. And um, you know I know there there that there's some great ones out there. So um, and I'm sure they feel the same way. They've met so many people through it. So. Um, the, one of the questions I have for you, I know everybody talks about your structure building and your scenery and that type of thing. What is your favorite aspect of this hobby? Oh, wiring. No kidding you? No, I am kidding you. That's a joke. (laughs) (laughs) I was was not expecting that. Yeah, I know you weren't. (laughs) Um, I I wouldn't know which end of a wire to connect to anything. I mean, (laughs) Um, for me, probably, I, I guess it, I guess it would be scenery. Um, you know, I love the structure build, um, but, but to me, you know, scenery, realistic, good looking scenery is, is what makes a a model railroad feel real. Mm Um, when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, I, I was, I, I met some advanced modelers at a, at a pretty young age. Uh, a guy by the name of John Young, who's passed away a few years ago, was a brilliant O-scale modeler. And a gentleman in the next town over um, named Jim Newcomb, uh, who actually ran a model train shop in his basement. And it was all high-end stuff. He had a lot of brass. You know, There was no snap track in there. There was no Tyco. Um it was it was all high end stuff, and this guy had a had a beautiful model railroad, and and he kind of he, he he did a couple of things that were formative to me. The first was he kind of took me under his wing, and he knew that I had a, a sincere interest in the hobby. So he showed me, I think, when I was probably twelve or thirteen years old, how to hand lay track, which which I'm sure he regrets doing, because <laughs> um, you know trying to teach a thirteen year old how to hand lay a track. Oh yeah, you're asking for it. Um, but he, he also um, hosted a series of clinics every fall, and he would literally you know, bring out 20 or 30 folding chairs in his living room, and, and he'd, he'd do a clinic or he'd have people that would come in. And one of the ones that I, I most fondly remember was, was a scenery clinic, and I was, I was new to it. I knew nothing about how to build model railroad scenery, and, and I looked at this like it was just pure magic. Um, and it looked so easy. And, you know, I found out within a week that it really wasn't. Uh, you know, I tried to do it myself. <laughs> but um, 
so you know scenery was really kind of i i love to watch trains run i love to operate trains mm-hmm. uh you know i love prototype modeling and prototypical operation right. but you know you go to you go to dick elwell's layout and the thing that you first see is is the beautiful scenery mm. Um, that's the. I think that's the thing you see on on any on a good model railroad, no matter who the modeler is. Sure. Um, so, so I always try to keep that in, in mind. Um, you know, structure building runs a runs a close section. Second, to me, um, structure building is more um, controlled, more disciplined, more no pun intended structured. Um, because, you know, you, you have to be dimensionally exact, uh, you know, you either have to follow a, a pretty, um, stringent set of instructions, or if you're scratch building, you know, you've, you've got to make sure you've got all the information you need. Right. Scenery is more, um, is a little more artistic to me. Yeah. Um, so and it, it, there's a little more freelance to it. A license, a bigger license. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So now, um, I think we're going to get into some techniques and stuff here. Yeah. Uh, in a little bit, but before we get into that, I want to. Brett, do you have the listeners' questions? I do. I have them ready to go. We're going. Are you ready to field some questions? Sure. We're gonna fill some questions and uh, see see uh, how the, all that goes. All right. Um, so these are, if anyone's new to the show and not and uh, not aware not aware of what we are doing right now, if you are part of our listener group over time at the bench, you can um, submit questions to ask our listeners each week. So here we go. A lot of these guys are really excited to ask you questions too, so this will be fun. First one is from Brad. He's saying, way back in the day when I began building structures, I bought kits, your kits, your DVDs, and I attended your Craftsman Structure Shows. Um, Oh, this is actually just a shout-out for you, so it's not a question. He's just saying, (laughs) it'll be nice to hear from you because he hasn't heard from you in a while, and uh, he just has a great respect for you as a modeler. Um, Well, um, thank you, Brad, and and I'm familiar with Brad. Um, Again, you know, I mentioned, you know, one of those dozen or so people that were the first people to buy a dvd from me he was one of them he's uh, awesome. he's a great guy we've been with him he's a he's a he's another he's, great, he, he's another great modeler too he is he, he yeah. really is i mean i you know I, I belong to you know one of the facebook groups that that he belongs to and and that's uh, so why you know i see his work pretty regularly and, and he's top notch mm-hmm. so oh, yeah oh yeah so, so thank you brad I, I, I appreciate it um next one this one's just from James. i told you i told you're gonna do some of these people <laughs> this one's from james powell so do you know james a powell from um out <laughs> I've, I've known james for probably close to 20 years now <laughs> all, all james was saying james is a trip man james is just yep. saying he uh dude where did you go but you kind of explained <laughs> that here uh james is a character well James, um, and so I hope you I hope you're doing well. Um, James, I, I thought for a while, you know, seeing some of James's work that there might be some LSD involved. <laughs> um, but but talk about talk about an amazing artist and a oh, nice yeah. guy. Um, I was in the witness protection program for a number of years, and um, 
that's an, again another joke, guys. <laughs> no, no, I get it. Um, <laughs> Every time so, you do one of them, it goes silent. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. You it's got tough, a good delivery. Crowd, you got a good delivery. Um. <laughs> so you know, when I got out of the business, um, I, I think I suffered a little bit of burnout. Yeah. Um. And 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 I wasn't you know I wasn't doing a lot of public stuff anymore. Uh. You know, we still have the podcast. Uh, I was, you know, I, I worked on a couple of projects for Dick Elwell and then I, I you know, I just kind of, you know, pulled my shingle in and, and pulled the blanket up over my head and, and I, I needed some, some downtime. Uh, you know, it, it took a, it took a while to, you know, really feel like I wanted to be an active, I never got out of the hobby, mm-hmm. um, but it, it took me a while to want to be an active modeler again. And it's really been just the past couple of years um, that, you know, I've, I've got something to show for it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, there might be times just like any other hobbyist where, you know, I, I might not be building anything, um, but I'll, I'll always be a model of rare order. That's in my that's in my blood. Yeah. Nice. Uh, next one is from. Scott Perry, and he's just asking uh, if you ever have thought about getting uh, back into making any more videos, but it doesn't sound like you uh, are toying around with that idea right now. Uh, Scott Perry is from Georgia. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're three for three now. Three for wow. three. Uh, there's going to be a well you'll stump me with. But, uh, this is a good group uh, of listeners, by the way. We have a pretty dedicated little group, and I'm sure you know most of them. Um, y- y- you know... The, the thing about DVDs is that, you know, for a while, people were cranking them out and, and some of the production qualities were, were pretty poor. And when I started doing this, I, I, you know, I could control everything except the monkey in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, of production values, um, sound, lighting, all that stuff, uh, I wasn't going to skimp. So for me to produce a DVD... Um, cost anywhere from from five to ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So it, it, it's an expensive endeavor, and it, it's a little bit of a gamble because you know, for instance, when when Mike and I did the the weathering um, the two weathering DVDs, I would have bet a lung that they would have outsold the the structured DVDs by about five to one. And my theory was. Not everybody wants to build craftsman structures, but everybody's got freight cars on their layout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they didn't do as well. And and the lesson I learned was, people like to watch. Yeah, and the more complicated thing that you're doing, the more they want to watch. So there were people that were buying the craftsman structure DVDs that would never build a craftsman structure if you held a gun to their head. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just like to sit there and watch you do it. Right. Yeah. Um so uh so to 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 answer Scott's question, the I doubt well, I, there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't. I first of all, I'm just not in the business anymore. Um to 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 do one at this point would require restarting the business, restarting the website which is no longer up. Right. Uh you know, I I've got I've got um, some DVDs, some of each DVD in storage um, for posterity's sake. 
I don't, you know, I don't know what that means because I'm, I'm sure they'll end up as coasters or landfill. <laughs> um, it's like almost, but, it's almost also becoming a way of the VHS. Like the everything's so well, that's, digital now that's too. The other, um, you know, we have an older demographic in our hobby, so I think people would still buy DVDs, mm-hmm. but the technology is past. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all cloud based or, or you know, thumb drive based or you know, YouTube. Some, yeah, some or YouTube, and I, and I've actually thought about putting my DVDs on YouTube, um, but uh, you know, to to do a physical DVD at this point, um, you know, would probably be prohibitive. And the other thing too is that, you know, I I, I feel like I covered all the topics I wanted to cover. Right. Uh, I I was never out to to you know try to commercialize this and just sell a DVD. When we got to the point where um, we had done service to the topic, I. I moved on to something else. Um, so I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed doing them. I was, I was scared silly though, through the first one. <laughs> um, you know, by the time we did the second one, I, I was a lot more comfortable. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, the, that boat is kind of sailed. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more interested to kind of sit back and, and watch what other people bring to the hobby now. Yeah. Quick change, sir. We got to Sorry about that. It's all right. It's all right. Hey, so um, let's go into the next uh, question from Kevin Jones. Um, yep. He's just asking uh, – I, mean, I think you already answered this one, so we won't spend too much time on this one. But uh, your website is obviously gone, but are there any DVDs still for sale? I don't think that's <laughs> the case right now. Yeah, no. I'm, I, you know, I, it, it's, I, And I get – every once in a while I get an email from someone and <laughs> – and I'll say, you know, if you send me a check for X, you know, if, if you know how much I want these five DVDs, how much? And I'll reply back and say, send me a check for this, and I'll send out the DVDs. And a hundred percent of the time, they don't. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think they're just—I don't know—they're just curious. Right. Um, so, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, for me to drive over to the storage facility, um, dig out the, you know. Cases of DVDs that are way in the back because mm-hmm, that's right. where you put the things that you need to get to, <laughs> um, you know, and, and mail them out. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really interested in doing that. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally get now, it. What's that, Dad? No, no. Um, oh. uh, so that, that answers. He kind of answered uh, that question yeah. anyways. But, yeah. um He's given a really good explanation so for let's, it. And, uh, let's move on to the next one from Jim Lasseter. Do you think Craftsman yep. Kit modeling has grown over the last few years? Um, and he's just, you know, he's wondering kind of what your take is on what you've seen over the last few years, especially with digital age and how the how how it's grown or where it's gone. Well, I I, I don't know if it's grown per se. I, I suspect it has. Um, you know, as far as far as I know, there's no hard data. Um, but but here's here's what I think. Um, I I think that with the prolifera- proliferation, it's easy for me to say. Um, and you're the one with the beer, not me. Um, <laughs> with the proliferation of social media, right? You know, we can you know do a build thread online, and people can follow along, and it kind of you know it inspires other people to build. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. You did your own thing and, you know, maybe two or three people in the hobby knew what you were doing, uh, you know, and, and craftsman structure building was, 
you know, it, it was it was pretty low on the priority list of model railroaders. Right. Uh, what changed everything was the laser cutter. Right. Mm, yes. Um, it, you know, when that became available to the masses, um, everybody in, in their Aunt Sally started producing Craftsman structure kits or laser cut kits because a lot of them weren't actually Craftsman structure kits. They were just wooden laser cut kits. Right. Uh, and, and, I, and I think at that point it kind of peaked. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm seeing um, isn't necessarily more Craftsman structure kits, but what I'm seeing are some really, really talented modelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really blown away by by the work that I'm that I'm seeing online. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I think that what that's telling me is that there's a resurgence in craftsmanship in general. You know, remember this originally was a hobby of, of for tinkers. You had to be able to build um, from scratch just about everything in the hobby at one point, mm-hmm. uh, and it's. To a, a large degree, it's become a, a ready-to-run hobby, right? But and and even the the ready-to-run structures have gotten better. You know, the sure. stuff that the Woodland Scenics puts out is is nice-looking stuff. Right. You don't have to open a, a bottle of glue if you don't want them in this hobby anymore, right? But the people that are are, are still scratch building, still building craftsman structure kits, in my opinion, have gotten much better at it. Yeah. Right? So and I and I think that's because we're, um, we're once we were a smaller group, more isolated. Now it's it's a larger group that's able to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next one is from Jake Johnson, out west. Um, well, of course, with a name like Jake. Jake <laughs> is a Disney Imagineer. Okay. <laughs> Another awesome modeler. Uh, what are your current? What's on your current workbench? What's your current work modeling project? Jake, thank you for thank you for asking because <laughs> I was wondering if this would this would come up. Um, so I just I just finished, um, and it was the, kind of the first major thing I had done in a while. Um, uh, the Sierra West O Scale uh, O'Neill's fabricators. Okay, and. Um, uh, it, the the kit. First of all, I, I'd moved to O scale because my my eyesight has become so <laughs> bad. <laughs> you know, H O scale is just tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I love Brett Gallant's work so much uh, that you know I, I I built a couple of his things in the past, but um, I, I really loved the design of this building. Um, it, it was named after a, a close, well, a mutual friend of, of Brett's and mine, a uh, guy by the name of Kevin O'Neill, uh, who was just an absolutely incredible modeler and a funny story around him that I'll tell in a second. But um, unfortunately, he passed away um, of cancer a, a few years ago, and, and Brett had never named a kit after anybody. So it was, it was a tribute to him, but um, I had met Kevin at one of the first Craftsman Structure shows. And, you know, he, he walks up to me holding this diorama and it's a fine scale miniature kit and he plops it down in front of me and he says, um, I said, did you build this? And he says, yeah. And I said, it's, it's incredible. I said, you know, how come, what's your name? How come I don't know who you are? And he introduced himself and he said, well, this was the first thing I ever built. 
And I'm looking at it like, you've got to be kidding me. Get away from my table immediately because I now hate you. <laughs> this guy was as good as it gets. Oh, my uh, gosh. And, you know, Brett tells a story. I was talking to Brett a couple of weeks ago. And he said, you know, Kevin was the type of guy that would spend, you know, like 10 hours painting a barrel just to make sure he got the colors right. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, so I, I just I just did this. O scale kit and, and diorama, and you know, learned a lot. Again, you know, O scale techniques are different than HO techniques. So the details, so the, the, detail. the details, right? You can see yeah. them. Uh huh. So uh, it took me a full year. Um, I, you know, one of the things I learned about O scale is it, it's tough to find things. You know, we're so spoiled in HO scale. You know, right. you need vehicles, you need people. Right. Uh, you know, everything's available. In, in O scale, it, it took me weeks to find a truck, <laughs> you know, and and then you know it, it it's this cast metal kit, and and there's nothing in the planet worse to build than you know, cast metal. <laughs> so you know, or people, and I, and I found a place in in England, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for like you know eighteen bucks a a, a person. <laughs> I'm serious, you know, unpainted. Um, That's insane. What a bargain! Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I please have another. In some third world countries, you can buy people for that price. Yeah, exactly. I keep our real people. I mean, we, you know, we we hire people to come and stand out on our front lawn and recreate the nativity scene at Christmas, and pay them less than that. I mean, it's just. Oh my so. <laughs> so you know, it was it was. I, I learned a lot. I, I you know, I'm happy with it. Um, in fact, um, uh, there's photos up on, on some of the Facebook groups I belong to um, of, of the project. But, uh, you know, so I, you know, we mentioned that, you know, I, I, I'm working on some military models right now, but I've got another Sierra West kit uh, that I'm going to do. I'll start probably within the next six months or so. Okay. And the, 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 uh, the, the military modeling thing, too, for me, was neat because for that very reason it, it, it's larger it brings out I, I can actually paint details that i couldn't do on ho scale yep. and uh it, and it was really cool well uh, wh- whoever invented 135th scale is is was a genius yeah yeah uh, it, you know it's such an oddball scale all they had to do was make it 136th scale yeah <laughs> you know and it, and it would have you know would have fit in with you know 148th but yeah. you know but you know, so you, you can see what you're doing. Yep. Um, you know, if you drop a part, you can find it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I had, For the most part, yeah. Yeah, except uh, the, I was doing the tank crew, and I dropped uh, I dropped two of those clear goggles for the tank crew's helmets, and uh, they went well, into that Neverland. You, you know, the you thing know. of it is, I, you know, I dropped an arm. Yeah, yeah. Right, but it's World War Two, right? So right. Yeah, I, I, I just <laughs> I improvised. Yeah, you just lost an arm. Yeah. Sure. It's like Hacksaw Ridge yeah. in your workbench. Right, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So that's that. Yeah. That's the, that was the latest. Nice, right. cool. Um, next one is from G. Um, well, he changed his name on the group, but I'll just say Jason. Um, if you could come up with any of the current Craftsman kits to design a new kit. Like with whatever's out there now, whatever you don't see available, what type of kit would you most likely would like to see designed now? Something that's missing. 
Mm. I know what ours is. We say it every time this question comes up, and it's more firehouses. See, I, I, I've got a, I've got a, 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 a theory and a, a little bit of a pet peeve. Um, I, I think um, some of these kit manufacturers get themselves into trouble by manufacturing non-railroad-related kits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, remember, this is um, this is a real the, the the market for craftsman structure kits within the hobby is about five percent of the total hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so. To me, if I'm if I'm a kit manufacturer, I want to focus on line side structures mm-hmm. because that's that's what people need. Um, but that you know that a little bit of that is personal preference. Right. Um, sure. So you know, I try. I, it's a tough call because you know what what I like, you might not like. Right. Uh, what I think there's a need for, and, and I just demonstrated that to you when you said firehouse. I was obnoxious and. <laughs> you know, voice my didn't really matter, and I'm sorry. And you know what? Uh, I don't, I don't hold that against you at all. We haven't uh, found one that we really <laughs> well, like. The night's still young. Yeah. You'll be holding stuff against me. <laughs> Done. Um, I, I just, I don't think that there's enough. Um, rather than say, you know, we need more mills, or we need more stations, or we need more roundhouses, or things like that. I think we need what we need is more creativity. Um. So I know that may sound a little bit like a cop out, um, but I, I see some stuff out there that, as Dave Frary once said, is duller than dog blank. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to me, when you take the creativity out of structure design, what are you doing? Because you you might as well scratch build it. Right. Um, you know, I don't. I don't need a hand car shed put out as a kit. <laughs> I've got enough scrap wood on my workbench that I can go scratch build one in thirty seconds. Right. right. Sure. Um, but yet there are kits out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, you know. Then the other piece too is that other people have you know tripped and bloodied their noses on kit design thinking that you know they were designing a kit that everybody was going to rush for right um bob bob van gelder was one of them mm-hmm. um he came out with a kit in 1996 called cambridge crossing and, and cambridge crossing was a four structure kit it, it included a station that was a prototype based on the Delaware and Hudson and upstate New York. And what happened was two things. People were, were saying to him, well, I only want to buy the hotel. Will you just sell me the hotel? And the answer is no, because it's a kit. Um, or, gee, I, you know, I really like the station, but it's not based on the prototype that I'm modeling. So when you go out on a limb and you and you model a prototype as a kit, you run the risk of alienating all the prototype modelers who now aren't going to buy a kit. Right, right. So, so, so it took a long time. Now Bob's kits would historically sell out. I, I, I mean, sometimes in, in two months they were gone. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he was telling us about some of his numbers uh, and how quick he sold some of his kits. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was crazy. This one took two years. 
Oh, wow. And he was beside himself. And he never, ever did anything like that. He said, I'll never do another station again. Yeah. He said, I learned my lesson. Um, so when I, when I started manufacturing Craftsman Structure Kits... Uh, I stayed the hell away from anything that was based on a prototype. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I I, I I went to school on, on what he did and, and learned from it. Um, you know, and George was the same way. I mean, there, there were a couple of, of structures that he did that were based on prototypes, um, but they were so quirky you'd never know it. Right. Or he um, altered them in, in some way. Yeah. Well, well... The one that, that comes to mostly to mind was was uh, Jeffrey's point, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with that structure, but it it was based on a, a real structure that he literally modeled almost to the inch. Um, but you'd look at it and say, "There's no way that that's, you know, a, a structure that existed anywhere." Yeah. <laughs> um, and he had a lot of stuff like that where what he was building was interesting to the eye but when you started to look at it from a engine like an engine if, if you put your engineer hat on you would be like that that would never fly in real yeah, life if you were an architect but you would to the artist and i'm not but, about that but to the artist's eye it was very appealing yeah you know and it worked and he didn't care he it, told it doesn't it, it doesn't matter what type of modeling we do whether it's prototype modeling um you know or you know Gorian defeated modeling, right? Right. It, the, it's all about suspending belief. Right. To one degree or another, uh, in order to enjoy this hobby, you've got to suspend belief. You know, my, you know, when I was working on that that eighty by thirty layout, the the running joke that that Jim Senior and I had was, "Gee, wouldn't it be great if we had just two more feet?" Um, you know, you can't, you can't. There's no such thing as that I've ever seen in this hobby in HO scale is a prototype radius. Um, You know, structures and scenery are all selectively compressed. Uh Uh, You know, we, uh, an artist in this hobby is going to model to the available light that they have, which means that colors are are enhanced and changed to one degree or another. Um, You know, it's, it, it's all fanciful to a degree. Right. So, you know, people will will complain or pick at, at George's kits or, you know, well, why do you do it that way? Because he wanted you know, to. <laughs> because that's his, that's his style. Right. That's what he wanted to do. And, and by the way, you know, I guarantee if we go look at your layout, you know, we'll find things that, that you had to compromise or change on. I had a guy come down into my basement. Um, well, one of my buddies in the in the hobby is a guy by the name of Neil Schofield, uh, who's a wonderful prototype modeler and a fantastic painter and, and, and weathering artist. His dad um, Ray brought over a gentleman um, who's since passed away from Fall River. Who, um, well, I'll call him a curmudgeon, uh, <laughs> lack of a better term that I won't use on this show, but. <laughs> Um, he, he walked down into my basement and I was in the middle of a building, you know, 1300 square foot model railroad. And the first thing he says is you didn't cove your corners. And 
he was right. I, I, I did not cove my corners. I didn't point out to him that, you know, he had Civil War soldiers, you know, on his <laughs> 1970s era model railroad and that he was still using horn hook couplets. Um, because, you know, I just didn't, I didn't feel like it. But, um, you know, so, so, you know, we all have our own way of doing things. We all have our own style. We all, you know, <clears throat> see things differently in the hobby. You know, mm-hmm. nobody sees things like George. Right, right. Um, right. But I'll tell you, you know, um, as much as they're two different layouts, and I've seen a million layouts, if, if I had to choose between, you know, if someone was going to gift me Dick Elwell's layout or George Selios's layout, I'd be hard pressed to tell you which one I wanted. Yeah, they're just so yeah. w- vastly different. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, hey, let's move on to the next one here. Um, from Mind Mount Models, this one's from um, Ron. Ron Kleiss. He's kind of Ron. <laughs> yep. Ron's a great guy. <laughs> um, I don't know him personally, but I, I, you know, I've, I've seen the name online oh, okay. and on the Sierra West. <clears throat> He's been on, on some Sierra podcasts West. and stuff before, other people's podcasts and things. And I didn't know if you had been on a podcast with him at all, but nope. yeah, he's he's a great guy. Ron's a great, great, great guy. But he's asking, how is the airplane build going? He likes hearing about that on Mike and Scotty. <laughs> yeah, I, I I left that out. That <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a company company uh, out there called the Agostini Model Space. And they produce uh, – it's a wide variety of, of different types of models. I'm on it now, I'm on it now looking at this. this... It, yeah, so if you look at the Spitfire, it's a one twelfth scale British Spitfire. How are you on he, – he, he just mentioned the company. How I'm, are you on that? I'm, I'm on my second laptop Googling it as he's talking because I want to see what he's talking oh, about. Oh, Okay. Todd Brett is young and spry. I'm like, well, us. he's a web designer, so uh, so he he moves on the computer way faster than I. Oh my goodness! I All right, think. this is pretty cool. The one twelve. So, kid. so you got to understand that the wingspan on this is over thirty inches. This is a <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> That's the width of my big cutting mat, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they've got a an, an interesting business model. They they you pay by subscription, so you get every month. You know, they charge you whatever it is for that month, and they ship you a box of parts to do the next segment of the the build. Ah, and the the superstructure of this Spitfire is laser cut plywood, and it's beautifully done. It fits together perfectly. My concern was that the the skin of this is laser cut aluminum, and I'm thinking to myself, how do you attach the aluminum to the plywood? Um, and, and sure enough, when we got to the part where you attach the aluminum to the plywood, it, it got to be a it got to be a problem. Um, what they recommend is super gluing it, um, which gives you varied results. But you can also drill holes into the aluminum through the aluminum into the plywood, and then they give you you know little wire brads. Oh my goodness! Get. So it, it it got to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, hell. Yeah, hell. Um, Jeez. So, so I, I put it aside. I still have – in fact, I, I, I've got the wing sitting on my shelf right over my workbench. And it's, it's a reminder that – you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean to interrupt. No, no. It, 
just a reminder that you know if I think I'm I'm getting my head's getting swollen, uh, <laughs> you know I look at that wing and I come right back down to earth because that sucker is never going to fly. Some of these are crazy, like this Douglas C three. Uh, oh yeah. Well, Bill Sartori has the Douglas C three. I don't know if you know. Oh Bill! Bill. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh my! Oh, we know Bill real I well. I cannot wait to ask Bill about that <laughs> one. <laughs> so I don't know if he's if he started or not. He texted me for the first time. I hadn't today. I hadn't heard from him in a while. Um, but but Bill's a great guy. He's also um, I a did member build, of our uh, of our listener group. <laughs> okay. Um, the, this same company offers um, a model of the Millennium Falcon. <clears throat> And, wow. and I and before I I started the um, the Sierra West kit, I actually completed the Millennium Falcon. It took me three years. Oh my word! And again, it's 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 huge. It's based on the 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 prop model that was built for for the first movie. It's a one to one replica of the prop. Yeah. So it's it's about three feet in diameter. Yeah. And it it weighs. No exaggeration. It weighs about thirty-five pounds. Oh, <laughs> so you're not hanging it from the ceiling, are you? you? Well, you actually. They say you can. I was not buying into that at all. Um, that, becomes a, that becomes an insurance liability then. Right. You don't want that falling on somebody's head. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, that's actually on display in a in a buddy's. Um, my, I have a buddy who owns a company, and it's not on display in his conference room. Um, so. So so yeah so um, you know that's that's the story behind the plane the plane I, I suppose someday um, I may try to attack the plane again um, I know my my father in law was somewhat disappointed in me he um, he's a retired uh, army colonel and, and was a helicopter test pilot and he absolutely loves military aviation and the Spitfire is his favorite plane in fact he's a He's retired now, but he's a, a docent at the 8th Air Force Museum in Savannah, Georgia. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, he every time I see him, he says, so, are you ever going to finish that plane? <laughs> Maybe someday is the answer. Man, the, um, I, I'm just taken aback by the the quality of these models on this website. Now, if you well, put the brads in into it, we were talking about putting a metal onto the wood with the brads. Yeah. How... Then what do you do? You have to putty over the the brads so you don't see them. I mean, no, the, how, how does that work? The brads were designed to look like rivet heads. Okay, so you know you could get away with it. I just, you know, I so I tried it both ways, and the the brads didn't. You know, you had to be really precise about your drilling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was difficult. Uh, the other piece too is that the plywood. Um, would um, shrink and enlarge depending upon how much humidity was in your house at any given time. Uh, the, the the aluminum didn't. So, you know, there were some gaps. And, you know, it, it, the instructions addressed it and, you know, told, you know, showed you how to fill them in. And, and it just, I, I just started to really lose interest in it. It started to fall apart. Now, yeah. conversely, the Millennium Falcon went together like a Swiss watch. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was precise. It was, I wouldn't say it was easy because, you know, if, if you're looking at a picture of it, all of those little parts that you see, you know, on the, on the top of it were all individual little parts that had to be glued on. Oh my gosh. Um, so it took a while. And the interesting thing about that was that, um, 
when they designed the, the model, the original model for the movie, what they did was they went to a hobby shop and they bought all of the plastic car models and all the plastic tank models and all the plastic plane models they could get their hands on. And they came back to the, the, the studio and they opened them all up and dumped them on a table and said, OK, now build it. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's a little weird. That's all. I mean, it's, it's cool what they've come up with, but hey, more power to them. That's why they're doing what they're doing. Yep. All right. Well, I like the airplane story. Now I have to ask Bill, though, whenever we talk to him next, how his plane build was. Because I'm sure you know Bill. He's got stories about it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> At least he didn't catch it on fire. <laughs> All right, let's go into uh, the next question from Dave Cruzwick. Uh, and it's not a question, actually. It's just another shout-out. He just says, uh, huge <laughs> thank you just for everything you've done for the hobby and for him. He, he loves everything, and you've put out all your DVDs. Loves it all. So he just said, best wishes. Um, he well, said uh, it, it got him started. Yeah, actually, you're what got him started. Well, you know, again, Dave? You know, like I said at the beginning of this, I'm not going to be held or sit here and be held responsible for this. <laughs> for all the time uh, away from our families in the basements of our houses. Are you um, familiar with Dave at all? Dave, Dave is a wonderful guy. Again, you know, someone I've known for years. Uh-huh. Uh, fantastic hobbyist. Real, you know, advocate for um, craftsman structure building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you know, it, it, it means I, I can't tell you how much it means to me. Um, you know, when someone says, you know, hey, you know, you're the reason why I did this or, you know, what a, you're the reason why I robbed the bank. Um, <laughs> so um, so I'm 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 very thankful. And, and uh, you know, the, these are all quality people. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Next one is from Jason Jensen, who we talked about earlier. You have to go check out his stuff. Um, yep. And this is a simple question. Uh, he said, are you a coffee drinker? <laughs> Um, boy, I'd like to know why he's asking so that. We tease Jason. We tease all night long drinking coffee, and his models he puts out are just insane. If you like sci-fi models, he he's been. If you go to Jason Jensen trains, so he's been bu- he's been building a sci-fi diorama out of sc- stuff that you would throw in the trash, like yeah, coffee cans <laughs> and water yeah. bottles and recyclable things and then he'll you know nerf guns nerf. he'll tear nerf guns yeah. apart and turn them into sci-fi dioramas it's crazy it's it's it's, it's uh, absolutely incredible you have to go check it out and uh, see what his work is funny. about but he so we we tease so him we he's te- also a, a illustrator for uh comic uh companies so so jason asked yeah. that because we tease him uh pretty hard about the amount of coffee he must drink and uh and he indul- he likes to indulge in some coffee, so he he just threw that funny as in there as a funny joke. Um, well, the, the short answer is is I'm not actually a coffee drinker. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I I do like tea, but um, you know, I used to um, I used to be a, a huge proponent of like Monster Energy and stuff like that, five hour energy, and then. You know, I went to my cardiologist last year, and come to find out, that stuff's bad. <laughs> like, who knew? Um, so, you know, I, I can't drink that anymore. But uh, so, no, you know, I, I guess I tend to be naturally caffeinated. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, I'm not a coffee guy either. So, I'm a big coffee guy. Um, 
the next one is from Ron Piskel. He just uh, it another shout out from Ron Piskel. I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with him. You're like you know everyone so far except one guy. I think <laughs> I'm not sure I know Ron, but uh... he's another great modeler. Um, another guy. He just said you know he's he's listened to you the whole way through, and uh, he's just excited to hear what you're up to. Um, last one here is from Greg Leipert. What are today's craftsman, craftsman kits missing that was so enjoyable with the early kits? And I'm assuming that he's also insinuating that he might be more into building some of the older kits. So what do you think about that? Hmm, what are they missing? Um, like a lower what? price tag, maybe? <laughs> yeah, um, I know I know. we talked to some of these uh, guests in the past, and they talked about how you used to be able to send in off an ad from uh, back of the magazine for... 12 or 14 bucks and now they're two three hundred dollars for a kit well you know you look at the the prices of the original fine scale miniature kits oh yeah you know back in the 60s and uh you know they would they were dirt cheap but uh um, i don't think that there's i don't think that there's anything missing I, in fact i think that they've, they've evolved and they've become more sophisticated over time um, you know through the use of uh, more sophisticated laser cutting techniques. Uh, you know, Jimmy Simmons perfected the ability to to cut um, laser cut brick into into wood, and and I was able to m- take advantage of that in a couple of my kits. Um, resins have gotten better. Um, you know, hydrocal used to be kind of a, a standard if you wanted to do ma- any kind of masonry, but you know that's all kind of gone to resin now. Um, yeah, 3D printing involved. and Yeah, I mean, it, it's just... You know, I, I used to get on Bob Van Gelder because every kit he ever produced, he had to outdo himself from the previous <laughs> kit. And they got they got more intricate, and there was more to them, and they were more sophisticated. But he was just bound and determined. He, he wanted to continue to evolve that part of the, the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's... I think it's easier to build a craftsman structure kit today. Um, right. It's not all board by board. And yeah, some of the older stuff was just tough. Um, yeah. You know, some of the old Campbell kits. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a Campbell kit right now. God bless you. <laughs> I'm doing Brett's, Brett's brewery. brewery. And uh, <laughs> I, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun. So, yeah. So you got that stone <laughs> foundation along the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you got you know, the so yeah. you got the cool. Um, I don't even know what it is. It's like it's like a pressed, formed, uh, thick, clear acetate plastic that yeah. looks like stone. Yeah, and, and you got you got to paint it, and you got to put mortar in between it. And oh yeah, it's they, it's they a tell blast. you to use spackle, and ah, oh, god, just. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll tell you this, it, it's looking good, and it's been real, and it's been fun. But it hasn't been real fun. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you do the? You did the uh, vinegar works for the. I did the uh, builders, builders and scale, scale. vinegar oh works. Dassin's vinegar. So yeah, you know, all builders, all all of those. Um, was that the re- was that a resin kit? No, it had a resin. It has like a hydrocal base, and then the yeah, rest yeah. is all in. The, the rest is all individual, like oh, literal yeah. individual sticks. Everything. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, oh yeah, some of them were just unbuildable. Yeah. I mean, you get uh, it done, but the the most the worst part about that builders and scale kit was that like 
it's three main structures, but they weren't bagged separately. Like the Craftsman, I mean, the Campus <laughs> kits are bagged separately. Yeah. But the Builders and Scale one was all shrunk wrap in one bag. <laughs> and I dump, I dump it out, and it's just a pile of sticks. And you got to sit yeah. there and sort. They're not even color coded like they are today. So that's a little bit how a little bit of how we're spoiled today. The ends of the ends of those fine scale lumber is color coded. This you just dump oh, yeah. it out and you got to measure every piece and put it in piles. And oh, I'm not doing another one. I'll tell you that. Key, Keystone Model Works. I built uh, some oh. of theirs, yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, they were they they were fun. Oh, but yeah. Um. But that's what makes by taking those and going, you know, maybe I feel that fine skill craftsmen or these people that are just now getting into the hobby uh, or, or learning to do it or have only been doing it a couple of years, maybe buy one or two of those older kits. And there's so much to learn from it. If you only ever buy one FSM or, you know, FSM kit, okay? Yep. And, and if you only ever buy one and build it, do yourself that favor because there you're going to learn so much from doing that. Yeah, it's going to be tougher on some of them or, or some of the other manufacturers that we mentioned. It's going to be tougher, but you you're gonna you're gonna benefit from it as a modeler. I feel, you know. Um, yeah, without question. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it all comes down to the instructions, and yeah. and, and that was. Again, you know, if it wasn't for for how thorough Bob Van Gelder was with his instructions, I doubt we'd be talking tonight. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I swore, you know, when 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 I started putting out kits myself, that I was going to basically copy his format and you know just deal with the shame. <laughs> um, but you know, some of them are so so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you know, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Though some of them I'd be building, and I could feel like the Dementors were hovering over my head. Like, you know, all, all joy was being removed from my life completely. I won't name the company, but I built a kit, and um, the instructions. We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah, the instructions were entirely from beginning. Every square inch was type. Okay. There was and no images. It was front to back. No text. images, front to back, text, no paragraph breaks. Everything just kind of ran. I had to put a ruler on it to read the thing. I'm, just to keep in place of where I was at, it was it was one of the most front. And it wasn't even a big structure. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was just frustrating to look and read it because of the, the fact that it was just so poorly written and no paragraph lines or punctuation was awful i didn't know where one sentence ended and one began and uh <laughs> I, I almost threw it in the trash but we did but, finish. but think about it this way todd you know some some beginner you know somebody who's been in the hobby for a couple of years decides they want to build a craftsman structure kit yeah and they don't know any better right they right. they look at the box and they say oh i like the look of this kit and, and, you know, they spend a couple of hundred bucks and they buy the thing and they open it up and they look at the directions and they say, this is unbuildable. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're never going to buy another one. Right. Right. You're right you there. That's a good point. Chase them out of the out of craftsman structure building and maybe out of the hobby. Right. 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 True. True. So, you know, they're, 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 as a manufacturer, there is a responsibility in my opinion. Yeah. And, and there is. Absolutely. And, you know, we – 
we vowed we would not talk about that one yeah. one particular company, yeah. so we we still never have. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I won't I won't crucify anybody on here, but yeah. yeah. So that wraps up our questions from our listeners. Um, I don't know if we wanted to wrap up with anything from you, Dad. On on that, well, if you had any, other, I mean, you said we wanted to do listener questions, and then you had you had some stuff you wanted to talk about. Yeah, just some. Um, I we we've killed a lot of time here. We're over two hours now, but um, it, we were going to do talk some techniques and scenery. My question is, maybe, um, would you be willing to get on the show and do it again, sign time in the near future, and sure. we could just focus on structure, uh, you know techniques on structures and scenery sure you 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 did say something about a check right if i'm not mistaken <laughs> yeah with with all our listener money <laughs> all the royalties you know you know all about that yeah right <laughs> yeah well we'd um, love to have you on again because we ran out of time we covered so many different topics and, and and talking about the hobby one of the questions i have for you is you often hear um, about um, the hobby dying. Okay, yep. we've heard this. It almost it, it, it sometimes angers and frustrates me because I don't feel I personally don't feel it is. Do you feel the hobby is dying? No, not at all. It, it, and again, you know, this is people have been saying this for a hundred years. <laughs> day after the hobby started, some you know ninety year old guy, hobby's dying. It's not what it used to be. <laughs> um, no, the, the the hobby isn't dying. In fact, the hobby is actually growing, mm-hmm. um, but the hobby is changing. So, you know, what what someone who's saying the hobby's dying is really saying is that the hobby is is evolving, and it's not maybe the hobby that I I it's knew just, when I was a kid. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not the information or the uh, the way that people are sharing what they're doing is just not where that person used to get their information or share what they did. It's just yeah, moved to a different you, medium. You, you talk to you know the the. You know, a lot of them are long gone, but you know the the real old timers in this hobby, and I'm quickly becoming one of them. And you know, you'll hear things like, "Well, you know, I had to cut down my own trees to make my bench work." <laughs> you know, now you just go to a lumber store, you know, fancy. Place. You know, and it just fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> back. Yeah, uh, let I, me I tell you what you had back then. You had locomotives that ran like crap. Yeah. You, you had DC wiring. Mm-hmm. You, you had, you know, freight cars that, that the detail on them, you know, was ridiculously awful. Yeah. Um, you had brass snap track or worse, brass flex track with fiber ties. Oh, man. Uh, you know, so, so you know, every, every part of the hobby has improved. Yeah. Um, you know, every company that's in the hobby today is far better mm-hmm. than – you know, companies that were in the hobby 30, 40, 50 years ago. Right. Uh, what you're seeing is um, the hobbies become more expensive. Yeah. So people are getting into it later in life when they've got discretionary income. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I also see a lot of kids that are, that are interested in the hobby, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's being fostered. Uh, you know, for a while... It, it was tough to be a rail fan, and, and, and rail fanning and model railroading go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the nature of, of, of railroading has changed a little bit. It, it, you know, where there once used to be 
uh, you know, a lot of branch lines and a lot of local freights and a lot of switching. You know, now it's more mainline point to point railroading. Right. But some of that branch line railroading is coming back. Yeah. And I think it's drawing people into the hobby because if you can stand at the tracks and, and watch a train go by, you know, you know, with a couple of switches on it and, and a dozen cars, that's, you know, that's it's quaint. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll draw you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and with the building end of the hobby, I see like for what we do with the with the scenery and structures and things like that on that side of the hobby, the the opportunities for for you to be able to do or be more artistic, uh, you know, we have we have stores like Michaels and and Hobby Lobby and and uh, where you can go and buy everything you need online. Everything's available to us. Um, yep. Different materials that weren't available, you know, many you know over the last. You know, this became started becoming available over the last 10, 15 years uh, that weren't available before. Everything, there's always new stuff coming out um, to become creative with with your modeling. Right. So, um, material. So, guys, here's the here's the thing, right? Um, you know, 40 years ago, you you took sawdust and you dyed it green. Or, or you, you use zip texturing, which is a process of using powdered pigments and plaster to create ground foam, you know, ground coloring. Right. Well, there was no ground foam until Dave Ferrari invented it. Um, you know, there, there was, you know, tree, trees, you know, you had the bottle brush pine trees and then Woodland Scenics came out with those awful, you know, lead. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I remember them. Oh my word! You know those things. Um, you know, now, now you go online to, to scenicexpress.com. Oh yeah, and it's it's nuts, right? The oh, amount yeah. of textures and materials and colors mm-hmm. and craftsmanship that that scenery products have become. Yeah. Um, you know, you can buy anything. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I have a question, and then um, this will be my last question of the night. I want to know of all of the builds you've done, and I'm, listen, if you can't just pick like a single thing, that's fine. But what what do you think your like? This is a hard question to ask because I I can't pick a favorite one either. What was your favorite either type of structure or favorite actual structure that you've ever built? Um, there's actually 27, and I'm going to go through them in order. No. Oh, perfect. Um, I can't wait. Can we do that in part two? Hey, we're catching on to his humor because we laugh quicker on that one. <laughs> um, no, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be – for me, I'll try and to even be if, Even if you can't pick a, a, a single one or maybe it's a type of structure that you just – like that's your favorite. That's your thing. You yeah. just love doing no, it. I, no, I, I, I got it. Um, so I've, I've, I've been very lucky to work in, in conjunction um, with, with Dick Elwell in collaboration on, on several structures on his layout over the years. Um, we, I, I came up with an idea a few years ago based on a prototype structure of, of a mill that's, that's since been torn down but was local to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dick said, you know, boy, I, I'm, I'd really like to turn this into a paper mill. And it was a massive structure. It, it, it dwarfs anything on his layout and to the point where he actually built a, an addition onto his layout to, to house this facility. So uh, we, we worked together on the design. I drew it out in CAD, sent it to Jimmy Simmons, who, who cut 
laser cut the brick into the walls. And uh, we built this thing. And the whole while, uh, you know, as I'm building it, I'm, I'm saying, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I got it done. And it, it literally filled the, the backs, back of my SUV, drove it up to Dick's house, handed it off to him, came back a month later, and I looked at what he had done with it. I'm thinking, this is amazing. Um, you know, he, he took he, he has this ability to take my work and, and actually make it look good. Um, and this was a perfect example of that. So uh, and what I didn't like about it was he named it after me, which is a little awkward <laughs> because I built it. Um, but the but the the big paper mill on his layout, I think, is probably um, the, the favorite thing that, that I worked on. And, and mostly because it was in collaboration with him. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, and you know. You mentioned him earlier in the show as um, being one of the people that you um, drew inspiration from, mm-hmm. and um, you know, grew up as uh, you know when you were much younger, uh, yep. following him. And now that you have some structures that you put together that are actually on his layout, that's got to be an awesome feeling, right? It's a, it's a little bit surreal. Yeah. Uh, and and you know the thing about him is that you know I, I talked to him at least once a week, sometimes a couple of times a week, but we very rarely talk about the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll call up and, and, and grouse about, you know, the Patriots or, you know, one of the local teams <laughs> and he'll talk me off the cliff. Um, you know, and I try to, he lives about two and a half hours away. I try to get up there and see him as much as I can. Um, but, you know, with COVID that, that hasn't been right. too often. Um but he, he, he's just – the thing about Dick is that as, as good a modeler he, as he is, and I would put him up there with the best of the best, um, he, he's an even better person. Right. Uh, so I've, I've been fortunate. But, I, you know, I'll go up there and I'll look around the layout and I'll say, wow, I, you know, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, this is arguably one of the most famous model railroads in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so, you know, how lucky am I? <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. That's definitely super cool. Uh, there's a, um, there's a, there's got to be a good feeling about that. And and that, you know what? You've you, you've realized um, a part of your life that you've, for us, just going up to visit George Celius when I he was a inspiration for us, and then to be able to go up and visit him, and then to have him on our show. Uh, yep. oh, and all these, all these guys, Dave Prairie. I, when I first got in the hobby, I started reading his books, and now we've had him on, and and uh, gotten to talk to him, and have him on a couple of times, and uh, just just a lot of fun. And uh, you know, it's it, it's a point where you reach in your life, and you go, you know, this. Well, what else is there? Dave, right? Dave was Dave was really the guy that taught me how to be a professional model railroader. Uh, you know, he, he's forgotten more things in this hobby than I'll ever know. And, and he invented the other half, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's how important his contribution to the hobby is. But, right. uh, you know, like I said earlier, we, we worked on a number of, of professional projects together and, you know, he, one of the things he taught me was, you know, when you're building something for someone else, you got to check your ego at the door. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick story. And I know you're trying to wrap this up, but okay. we had, we had a, we had a, we had a client um, who hired us to build scenery on a, a large Lionel layout, uh, building buildings and scenery. And and you know, 
Lionel's not really my cup of tea. So, you know, you already, you know, you're kind of saying you, you're looking at it from a from a job perspective. Right. So uh, so the the gentleman who was who was. Well, I, he, he, he lived in um, what he called a house in Wellesley, Mass. But if you've ever been to Wellesley, Massachusetts, you know that there are no houses. There are only mansions. <laughs> Um, he was the director of manned spaceflight at NASA during the Kennedy administration, oh, wow. and then he went on to be the CEO of Beechcraft and, and Raytheon. Um, and he was a very fascinating guy, needless to say. But um, so he he put his wife in charge of of choosing the structures that were going on this layout, and and that's where the disaster began <laughs> to take place. <laughs> so. Dave says to me, he says, I want you to build this this farm scene. He says, build the farmhouse, build the barn. This is all in O scale. So I, I built this barn, and and I, like I said before, I don't often love the stuff that I'm building when I build it. But from the minute I started gluing the first two sticks together, I, I thought, this is I really like this. <laughs> so yeah, I, br- I bring the finished barn up there. I put it on the layout, and this, this woman comes up, and she says um, – she says, well, what, what's that? And I said, well, well, it's a barn. And she says, um, well, why is it red? And, you know, I'm, I'm, it's all I can do, you know, just to, you know, just not pound right. my head. Bite your tongue. The and so I explained to her, you know, why barns were painted. Why is there a big sign on the side of it? And uh, so anyway, at the end of it all, I ended up taking the barn home. She she rejected it. Um, she also rejected the train station. She said, oh, why, do, why do we need a train station? I said, well, you know what? We don't. And, <laughs> so, so, you you know, so Dave already knew the – he knew how to deal with this type of personality where I was just kind of struggling through with it. But, you know, by the time, you know, we were done, um, I had learned some valuable lessons. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so he, he's an amazing, and that's why some people just don't choose uh, the buildings to go in the layout. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, she had she had like these picture books of Nantucket architecture. Ah, uh. and you know that's where she was getting. You know, I want a park, and you know, I'm like, fine. You know, I'll build. Finally, get the point where I'll build you whatever you want. Right. <laughs> Customer's always right. Customer is always right. So since you're, we were talking about the fact you're a Bruin fan as well, we're, we're truly sorry that we took Chara from you. Oh. Well, <laughs> a horrible no, we, thing we, we, we pretty much used him as much as we could. He's like, it's, like giving us a, it's like giving us a battery that's you know only got 10% of its uh, battery power yeah. left now. I'll tell you what, you know, so, so guys like Chara and, and, and I'll throw Tom Brady in that mix – they're 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 ageless mm-hmm. right? you know love them hate them whatever yep. um you know they're both in their 40s and they're, they're both still playing a professional sport yep. um so you, you know you gotta give them credit in other places you know they're both right. proving exactly. that exactly. yeah um so you know uh, <laughs> so you know char is a, a a big tall guy that you know can kind of get away with his reach you know even sure. if he slows down on skates a little bit so yeah. That slowed down. Yeah. Well, and what's amazing is he's 43 and he's still tossing these 20 year old kids around on the ice like they're rag dolls. So yeah, absolutely. Know, and not and not not frankly, you know he's not he's not uh, as much of a fighter as he used to be, but uh, you know he still throws his. You know, body. Nobody's going to do it with him. That's you why. can't reach him. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> we, had a, we, had a, we had a guy who played for the Bruins many years ago named Wayne Cashman. Mm-hmm. I remember Wayne Cashman, yep. And, and, and Wayne Cashman never fought. Mm-hmm. And the reason why Wayne Cashman never fought is because his first couple of years, he, he had two or three fights. And he literally obliterated the dopes <laughs> that decided to fight him. Yep. And the other players in the league said, we're not going near this guy. This guy's an animal. He will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, so, that's how that rolls. That's how that rolls. And yeah. that's, with with, with uh, Chara, he doesn't have to. You know, it, it's just nobody really, really ever wants to go with him. And, uh, it, you know, and that, and that part of the sport is kind of dying out anyways. Uh because the game is so much faster and and, and it's all about it. yeah. yeah so it's not necessary I, hey i spent like i said 20 years of my life managing a hockey rink so uh, i'm and teaching it and coaching it and and uh, so i, I yeah. see i seen that part of the sport disappear so, sure well yeah. sure anyways Bruins and Capitals play six more times this year so hopefully there'll be a good rivalry <laughs> formed here before spring and uh, we do thank you again yes. for coming on the show today Scott so so um, can we get you on again? Yeah, absolutely. The How about like a, maybe March? Can you do it in March? Sure. All right. Sure. Well, you and I will get together, and awesome. we will focus on just we will focus modeling. on modeling part of this hobby, and we'll share some techniques. Well, we want to not necessarily share. We want to we want to get your take on Pick the techniques your brain on and some stuff. stuff yeah. yeah, and we'll get our readers to do the same. We'll make the whole show about that. Sounds good to me. Awesome. All right, that's awesome. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you.